and brother of James to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. And I want you to get a hold to that last part right there. It says here that we should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Now I want you to get a hold to the point that this is to be cherished. It is not to be taken for granted. There are people that have went on before us that have given their lives for this gospel and we should not take that for granted and we should stand up on our feet and be counted for the cost and the cross of Jesus Christ tonight. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the reading of your word. And Lord, we just pray, Lord, that you would smile down upon preaching tonight. And God, we don't know the hearts of all these people here, but you do. And Lord, what a spirit it is to be among them tonight and to feel you're moving. And Lord, I pray that if there's one struggling tonight with doubt, Lord, they're struggling with some issue in their life. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit tonight would just Lord, meet with them and guide them and show them, Lord, through your word what they need. Lord, I pray for that one that's not saved here, Lord, that you would convict them of their sin and draw them to you, Lord. And Father, I just pray for those that are saved here that they'd be strengthened. And Lord, that you would just build a hedge of protection around them. And Lord, just protect them in these dark days that we live. And Lord, let them stand strong. Lord, I pray for Brother Jeremiah, his staff here, their families. Father, I pray that you provide all they need as they look over this, your people. And we thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice. We thank you for your salvation. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Tonight, looking in this passage of Scripture, if you look for battle cries or if you look for things that should provoke us to move, it would be this here that Jude is writing about earnestly contending for the faith. First of all, I want you to notice in verse number 1 to who the address is made. In verse number 1, the Bible says, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Now this is God's people that Jude is writing to. This battle cry, this Invoking them to contend for the faith is someone who is already in the faith, that the faith has been delivered to them. I thank God there was a godly man in my past that shared Jesus Christ with me. He's gone on to be with the Lord now, but I look back at his life and what he did and how that he preached the Word of God, he shared the Word of God, but more than that, He was an example of what God's man should be in everything in his life. This is somebody who handed it down to me. And we see these people here that Jude is writing to them that are sanctified by God the Father. Now, you know, as Baptists, we have a problem sometimes with this word called sanctification. We sometimes want to leave that to the Methodists because they use that word quite often. But let me tell you something. If we're going to be used of God, we've got to be a clean vessel to be used. We can't fill our lives with dirt and and trash and everything else and expect to be used by the Lord. 
I'm working right now among a bunch of young people in a class that I teach there in Union. A lot of my students have been coming to our little church, and they've been coming a little bit different dressed than what uh, that we're normal with and, and seeing and everything. But I understand the lack of what they're receiving where they have been going. They have not been taught anything about the Word of God and getting sanctified and getting set apart and getting closer to the Lord. Some of these kids, I believe, outright just need to be saved. But there's one young lady that comes week after week. It's Wednesday night. It's Sunday night. She never misses Sunday morning. And I tell her every time I see her, you can be so much more. So much more. We're living in a time that we need people who claim to be children of the Most High God to be so much more than what they are. And here we see, this is to his, uh, excuse me, he is addressing, I told Brother Jeremiah, don't be offended. I might grab the water he's drinking out of and drink it tonight. I was preaching one time, and I had a preacher do me that way. He drank right out of mine, so I said, if it worked there, it might work here tonight. But we see who he is addressing. I want you to notice in verse number two something. He gave everything they needed for success. He spoke of mercy, peace, and love. We're going to see a little bit of that in just a few moments about this love that he is speaking at as we get farther on into the chapter. If we're going to be successful for God and we're going to contend for the faith, we've got to have mercy. We've got to have peace in our lives. What are we going to offer them? In a world of chaos and confusion and everything else that is going on, they're looking for something real. And by the way, they should see that in us because of Christ Jesus. We also see that love, that agape love that the Lord has. And my friend, I'm going to tell you something. Love hides a multitude of sin. It doesn't mean it dismisses it and walks away from it. It means it deals with it. And sometimes folks don't like strong, firm love, but that is what we need. Secondly tonight, not only do we see whom the address is made, but I want you to notice in verse number 3, the immediate charge that is delivered. The Bible says in verse number 3, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and to exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith. Now when you look here in what Jude is writing, it's something that is going on, something that needs to be driven home, something that needs to be pointed out, something that needs to be delivered to them, and it is an exhortation on stand strong. Stand strong and do what you are supposed to do. Back in the Civil War, no, I was not there. And I like what I saw a while ago, that thing that said that if you're 50, you can come to that. What was it, Jolly Kings? I'm 51. I can get to that one. Back in the Civil War, General Robert E. Lee addressed General Longstreet. And he told him at the Battle of Gettysburg these words. He says, this army has lost too many of its best leaders. We need you to stay back from the fight. Now here's General Lee on the battlefield. And he's telling General Armstrong this, or, or, and Longstreet, excuse me, this. And he says, General Longstreet looks back to him and says, you cannot lead from behind. 
And that's what he tells him. And, and you know the story, uh, after the battle of Gettysburg, he is wounded in a, in a battle and almost loses his life. But he is such an inspiration to his men. When I look at this and I see that we are to earnestly contend for the faith, I do not need to ask my people at Jackson Road to do something that I'm not doing myself. They should see it in my life first. We see here that he says that they are to earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Now I want you to understand this. This should be so precious to us. You and I have been handed a commodity. You and I have been handed something that others have lost their lives over delivering to us. When I see athletes... When I see athletes kneeling when the national anthem is being played, and I know men and women who have had their arms and legs blew off in Afghanistan and Iraq, folks, that rips my heart out. Sure, they have the right to do what they're doing, but please understand this one thing. You're making a mockery of those men and women who have died to give you that right to do so. Show a little respect. It seems like the church would show a little respect to those that have gone on before us, braving the way of the, of the gospel's path, some losing their lives, that that would be enough to motivate us to contend for the faith. Not only speaking, when we read in the pages of God's holy word, what Jesus endured for every one of us. So we see the charge that is delivered. But I want you to notice in verse number 4, a stern warning that is given. And I want you to notice this, people, tonight what Jude says in verse number 4. He says, for there are certain men crept in unawares. Let me go ahead and tell you this. That means they're already here. That's why we need to contend for the faith. They're already here. I was flying into Tel Aviv, Aviv, Israel one time, and we were about to leave Schiphol and Amsterdam to fly to Tel Aviv. And here we are about to get on this airplane, and they got us all lined up. And here are these guys with turbans and everything else on their head. They let them get on the plane. And then they pulled this little gray-haired granny off and searched her. I was trying to figure that one out. I'm sure granny could have had a bomb in her purse or something like that. But I'm sitting here trying to figure this out. Here are the guys. Listen, we're living in a time that people are scared to say what needs to be said and do what needs to be done. And here he says, for there are certain men crept in unawares. Listen, they come in for a reason, and that is to destroy that faith that was given to us. And it is our job to stop that from happening. Now, Jude has wrote all of these things. Skip down to verse number 5, and I want you to notice something. He reminds them of something. That this is not only the first time. This is not something that could happen. 
This is something that will happen. He says in verse number 5, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterwards destroyed them that believe not. They're always going to be there, and we've got to identify them. There are children in this church. A true biblical faith of the gospel has to be protected for them. This is something that is very important. And I understand physical death. Last night I was at the funeral home of a 28-year-old young lady who was killed tragically in a car wreck. She left her three children and her husband behind. I understand that death comes. I understand that. But listen, if she died without Christ, that was far worse than her just dying. We are to remember these things. This is not anything new. From the dawn of the church, people have been trying to destroy our faith. And they're relentless in it. And that's why you and I need to be relentless in contending for the faith. But I want you to notice something else. Go with me to verse number 17. Jude got all of this put into place because now he wants to talk to them In an encouraging way, not that the other was not encouraging. In verse 17, I want you to notice there's a New Testament reminder as well. He says, But beloved, remember ye that the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus, of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own godly lust. The ones that troubled the Lord, the ones that troubled the apostles, the ones that troubled the prophets, guess what? We still have them today. That's why we've got to contend for the faith. I promise you, if the true gospel is being preached, a false gospel is being preached right beside it to try to counter it. The devil is trying to destroy. We see, the Bible says in verse 19... These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. My friends, that's why the Bible says we are to try the spirits. Our spirit might not bear witness with theirs. And we will know. You say, well, what if it's somebody that we know that's somebody that we trusted? Listen, there's always an enemy that gets in the gate, but do not neglect to sound the alarm because you're afraid of what it might start. You have to. You have to be vigilant. Understand me, I know this all well. This happened in my family one time. And it put me on the opposite side of one of my family members. I understand this. I understand how important it is. Verse 20, I want you to notice also the encouragement of pressing on. There's a reason to contend for the faith. I want you to notice in verse 20, listen to what he says. But ye beloved, building up yourselves in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost... Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And verse 22 and verse 23, I want you to get a hold to why we should contend for the faith. And some have compassion, making a difference. And others saved with fear, pulling them out of the fire. You know tonight that this church 
could be the very church that is standing between Hattiesburg and folks dying and going to an eternal hell separated from God. Do not tonight, and I mean no disrespect for what I'm about to say, do not leave it up to the other churches to get it done. You get it done. A lot of people have problems with me saying that. You know what? I would rather be used of God than anybody else. I would rather Jackson Road grow into the church that's going to stand up for the gospel than any other church around in our area up there. I wish that mantle falls to us. I hope it does. I want our people to stand up for the cross and not be ashamed of it and not apologize for it. And my friend, let me tell you something. If you win somebody to the Lord from somebody else's church field, whatever that means, they call church fields up, praise God for it. Stand up for what is right. Contend for the faith. Why? Because Jude puts it in perspective. Pulling them out of the fire. I'm about to tell you a quick story before I conclude. And I don't know if my wife knows this one, so I might get in trouble on the way back. Brother Joseph might have to ride back with you. We had a fire break out in a mobile home where we are, and I was one of the first responders on the scene. I'm not a firefighter. I'm a police officer. They have the SCBAs, the self-contained breathing apparatuses and all of that kind of stuff. They have all the big gear. They have the red lights. We have the blue lights. We always pick about that and stuff. And these people are screaming, they're in the house, they're in the house, they're in the house. Smoke is just going everywhere, fire's coming out of there. Well, what does that do? It grips me because I start thinking my wife uh, at home, my daughter, her husband, our two grandchildren. This is somebody else's loved ones. I tear off into that trailer. I don't know if you've ever been around a trailer fire, but, but the way those things are made, they emit some type of gas and all of that kind of stuff, dangerous. I get going down the hallway of that trailer. I can't hardly see. I'm bumping into the walls. It is immensely hot in that place. I'm gasping for prayer. I'm look, uh, for air. Need to be with prayer too. About that time, and I'm going down that hallway, and I'm looking in each room. The next room is going to be where they're at. The next room is going to be where they're at. I get to the last room, and there they are. Do you want to know what there they are? Were two little dogs. I collapse coming out of that trailer with those two little dogs. And a firefighter gets me an air pack. You know, the reality to it to me was somebody was burning alive in there. And if it took me losing my life to get them out, that was a price worth paying. It was a price worth paying to get them out of that house because I thought it was people. Folks, we've got people literally dangling over eternal fire. And as long as churches has got their programs, their activities and everything else, it seems like that don't bother them anymore. There are people that will die tonight without Christ that we could reach, that you could reach, that every other church in this area could reach. And if these things don't motivate us, to contend for the faith and protect the faith, which was once delivered to the saints, nothing will. Some people say, well, we're waiting for that day that the Lord leads us. Let me tell you, the Lord is leading right now for us to be witnesses in this lost world. 
That's something we don't have to wait around for His Spirit to move upon us because we have a direct command from the Word of God. To go ye therefore. That night I ran into that house, that trailer house. It was that real to me that these people were going to die if I didn't get in there. And we ought to be thinking that way with these people that don't know the Lord. And that's why we should stand up and contend for the faith and protect it. That when we come across these people, we can present to them something that is real. Something that will change their life and something that will change their eternity. That is something worth rallying around right there. Contending for the faith. It is a struggle. It's not easy. People are going to say ugly things about you. People are not going to treat you the best all the time. But you look at the life that Christ lived on the earth, they didn't treat him right either. But he saw something down the road that kept him pressing on. There was a little boy that was going to grow up in Hickory, Mississippi, that at the age of 21 years old, he was going to come to know the Lord in the free pardon of sin. And he kept walking to that cross every day. You and I need to be contenders tonight, not pretenders. Contenders. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this night. I thank you for this opportunity.